How's it going, food eaters? Welcome back to the Food Labels Revealed podcast. I'm your host, Mel Weinstein, personally dubbed the self-professed prophet of processed foods. The summer is flying by here. My small veggie garden is blowing up with foliage and flowers, so hoping for a bumper crop of tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, and baby watermelons. As always, there's all kinds of things happening in the world of processed foods. I try to post the more interesting and cogent items on the Facebook page, Food Labels Revealed Podcast. I'm sure some of those topics will show up in a later podcast. But today, rather than addressing current news, I'm going to take a look back, a review of previous topics in the form of a friendly and non-threatening quiz. The last time I did this type of episode was two years ago, in July 2021. We're definitely due for another one. And the teacher in me is getting excited. So, food eaters, grab your mental pencil and paper, shake the cobwebs from your brain, and get ready for some challenging questions about processed foods and the changing food landscape in the United States. Just some notes about sound quality. Last month, I mentioned that my microphone died and I wound up using an iPhone to record the episode. The audio quality definitely suffered. Recently, I was able to get an older mic to work and that's what I'm using now. Better than an iPhone, but still lower quality than usual. The tale of my audio woes is complicated and convoluted, so I'll spare you the details. But... I expect to have the situation fixed when the next episode is released. Who doesn't like a quiz? Really, what else do you have to do right now? Maybe you're listening to the show while driving around, or taking a break from work, or jogging in the park, or maybe undergoing heart transplant surgery. Whatever the situation, what do you have to lose? Yes, I know, it's a quiz. And you may experience some PTSD from elementary school when your 6th grade teacher kept calling on you for an answer. But stay cool. Don't sweat it. Definitely don't switch to another podcast. Don't touch that dial. It's all just for fun and education. Remember this. On the plus side, you won't have to turn a paper in. You'll be able to score it yourself. And if you do poorly... You won't receive a virtual slap on the hand with a virtual ruler, and I won't be contacting your parents. Now, for you listeners new to the podcast, The Uninitiated, you might feel ill-prepared for a test. Not to worry. Just relax, sit back, and consider this quiz as an opportunity to add to your incipient or maybe vast knowledge of commercial foods. This is a 100% guaranteed free podcast. It won't cost you a cent. I don't beg for money, no advertising, no selling products or merch, no pausing in the middle of the show for some special message. All I ask of you, the listener, is this. If you are informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth, and give the show some kind of rating through your podcast app. A kindly review would also be greatly appreciated. Okay, food eaters, here we go. I'm going to ask you 20 multiple choice questions derived from the subject matter in episodes 65 to 78. I'll read each question twice, give the right answer, 
and then provide some commentary. If you don't have an actual paper and pencil for scoring, just keep track of the number of right answers in your head. first three questions come from episode number 65 called on ratings, livers, fat genes, and sausages. Here's question number one. In 2021, the world's largest food company by revenue shockingly admitted that 28% of its food products are unhealthy. Name that company. A. Kellogg. B. Nestle. C. Kraft. Heinz, D, PepsiCo. Again, in 2021, the world's largest food company by revenue shockingly admitted that 28% of its food products are unhealthy. Name that company. A, Kellogg, B, Nestle, C, Kraft Heinz, D, PepsiCo. And the answer is B, Nestle. Many people think of Nestle as primarily a chocolate company, but the Swiss-based conglomerate dabbles in many food arenas, including baby food, bottled water, cereals, coffee, and some of America's favorite go-tos like Hot Pockets, Lean Cuisine, Dryer's Ice Cream, Kit Kat Bars, Smarties, Stouffer's, and Jenny Craig Products. Nestle admits that only 37% of its food products get a healthy score. That is 3.5 stars based on Australia's 5-star health rating system. Question number 2. Research has shown that more than 1 out of 10 children in the United States suffers from non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. An excessive intake of what food in the American diet is responsible? A. Salt. B. Fryer fat. C. Sugar. D. Artificial sweeteners. Again, research has shown that more than 1 out of 10 children in the United States suffers from non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. An excessive intake of what food in the American diet is responsible. A. Salt. B. Fryer fat. C. Sugar. D. Artificial sweeteners. The answer is C. Sugar. Although you may be fooled into thinking that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is caused by excessive fat consumption, the illness is actually a metabolic disorder triggered by high sugar intake. Children who suffer from abdominal obesity, high blood pressure, high blood triglycerides, low high-density cholesterol, and a diet rich in high fructose corn syrup are prone to the disease, which results in a buildup of fat in the liver, causing it to enlarge. If scar tissue develops, the liver can be damaged. This disease is the second leading reason for liver transplants in the United States and Europe. In children, the mean age of diagnosis is 10, and more boys get it than girls. Unfortunately, the disease advances more quickly in children than in adults. Number three, data from a large prospective study called P2 
P-U-R-E, or PURE, and that stands for Prospective Urban Rural Epidemiology, conducted in 21 countries, including 134,000 participants, concluded that the consumption of processed meats, like bologna, hot dogs, sausages, bacon, caused people to die sooner. What was the threshold amount of processed meat per week to increase a person's risk of dying early? A. 6 ounces. B. 8 ounces. C. 10 ounces. D. 16 ounces. Again, data from a large prospective study called PURE conducted in 21 countries, including 135,000 participants, concluded that the consumption of processed meats caused people to die sooner. What was the threshold amount of processed meat per week to increase a person's risk of dying early? A. 6 ounces. B. 8 ounces. C. 10 ounces. D. 14 ounces. The answer to this question is A. 6 ounces. Health studies over many years have found that eating processed meats are deleterious to health. This study assigns an actual quantity to that prediction. How much is 6 ounces per week? Well, it's just 4 hot dogs or 7 slices of bologna or about 7 slices of regularly sliced bacon. A study published in 2019 in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics stated, quote, Despite strong evidence linking processed meat with cancer risk, consumption of processed meat among U.S. adults didn't change over the study period, which was 1999 to 2016. While factors other than health, for example, social, cultural, and economic, can influence Americans' food choices, the lack of widespread awareness of health risks associated with processed foods may have contributed to the lack of consumption change in the past 18 years, end quote. The next three questions come from episode number 66, called Nutrition Facts Labels Revealed. Question number four. A few years ago, the FDA updated the Nutrition Facts label. What part of the new label has the largest font size? A, Protein content, B, calorie content, C, fat content, or D, sodium. Again, a few years ago, the FDA updated the Nutrition Facts label. What part of the new label has the largest font size? A, protein, B, calories, C, fat, D, sodium. If you said B, calorie content, you were absolutely correct. With the increasing rates in obesity in this country, the FDA wanted to place an emphasis on energy consumption, so they made the calories stand out. At the same time, the FDA required food companies to use more reasonable serving sizes so consumers can have a better idea how many calories they're getting in a normal serving. Number five, listen carefully. On the label, the abbreviation percent DV stands for daily value. It shows up next to each key nutrient. What does percent daily value stand for? Be careful with this one. A. 
how many grams of the nutrient an average eater should be consuming each day. B. The percentage of a nutrient per serving of the food. C. The percentage of a nutrient in each serving contributing to the daily need. D. None of the above. Again. Number five. Listen carefully. On the label, the abbreviation percent DV stands for daily value. It shows up next to each key nutrient. What does percent daily value refer to? Be careful with this one. A. How many grams of the nutrient an average eater should be consuming each day? B. The percentage of a nutrient per serving of the food. C. The percentage of a nutrient in each serving contributing to the daily need. And finally, D. None of the above. If you said C, the percentage of a nutrient in each serving contributing to the daily need, you are absolutely correct. For example, you eat a cup of Cheerios cereal in the morning. In that cup are 139 milligrams of sodium, which equates to a daily value of 6%, according to the label. In consuming that cup of cereal, you have met 6% of the daily sodium cap for the day. By the way, if you divide 139 milligrams by 6%, you get about 2,300 milligrams of sodium, which is the recommended maximum for the average person. Question number six. Micronutrient amounts have always been listed on nutrition facts labels. However, as part of the label overhaul, the FDA dumped one of the vitamins. Which vitamin was it? A, vitamin A, B, vitamin E, C, vitamin B1, or D, vitamin C. Again, micronutrient amounts have always been listed on nutrition facts labels. However, as part of the label overhaul, the FDA dumped one of the vitamins. Which vitamin was it? A, vitamin A, B, vitamin E, C, vitamin B, or D, vitamin C. The right answer is D, vitamin C. The government concluded that vitamin C deficiencies in the American food supply were no longer a concern. The next question comes from episode number 67 entitled, The End of Cancer and Diabetes? Question mark. Dwarfism, Disease, and Diet. Question number seven. There is a small population of people living in southern Ecuador with the condition called Laron syndrome, a rare genetic disorder that gives rise to dwarfism. Surprisingly, these people are resistant to a disease that plagues modern industrial countries. Which of the following diseases is seldom observed in this population? A. Heart disease. B. Cancer. C. Multiple sclerosis. D. Alzheimer's. Again, there is a small population of people living in southern Ecuador with the condition called Laron syndrome, a rare genetic disorder that gives rise to dwarfism. Surprisingly, these people are resistant to a disease that plagues modern industrial countries. Which of the following diseases is seldom observed in this population? A. Heart disease. B. Cancer. C. 
multiple sclerosis, or D, Alzheimer's? And the correct answer is B, cancer. The, the Laryn dwarfs are missing a growth factor called IGF-1, which causes dwarfism, but the lack of that same hormone decreases the growth of cancer cells. Thus, these people are protected from the number two killer in the world. Also, the Laryn dwarfs rarely get type 2 diabetes. The next four questions come from episode number 68 entitled, Over the Top, the Big Bacon Cheddar Cheeseburger Triple. Number eight, what fast food restaurant makes this sandwich? A, Wendy's, B, Burger King, C, Five Guys, D, Jack in the Box. Okay, number eight again. What fast food restaurant makes this sandwich? A, Wendy's, B, Burger King, C, Five Guys, D, Jack in the Box. And the right answer is A, Wendy's. Number nine. The current daily limit for total fat is 65 grams. Guess the amount of fat in this sandwich. A, 35 grams, B, 55 grams, C, 102 grams, D, 128 grams. Again, the current daily limit for total fat is 65 grams. Guess the amount of fat in this sandwich. A, 35 grams, B, 55 grams, C, 102 grams, and D, 128 grams. And the correct answer is C, 102 grams. Think about that number for a moment. It equals 3.6 ounces of fat. The percent DV is 157%. The single item provides 1.6 times the amount of fat a person needs in a single day. And that's without a side order of fries. They may as well hand you a death certificate as you leave this restaurant. Eating this triple cheeseburger even just once a week for a year could potentially contribute 1,924 grams of extra fat or 4.2 pounds. Number 10. Usually, food items that are very high in salt, fat, and sugar are very low in fiber, an essential nutrient that keeps the digestive system functioning properly. The FDA recommends a daily value of 25 grams which many doctors, dietitians, and nutritionists claim is way too low for the average American. Guess how many grams of fiber are in this sandwich? A, 3 grams, B, 6 grams, C, 12 grams, and D, 15 grams. Again, number 10. Usually food items that are very high in salt, fat, and sugar are very low in fiber an essential nutrient that keeps the digestive system functioning properly. The FDA recommends a daily value of 25 grams, which many doctors, dietitians, and nutritionists claim is way too low for the average American. Guess how many grams of fiber are in this sandwich? A, 3 grams. B, 6 grams. C, 12 grams. D, 15 grams. The correct answer is A, 3 grams. That's pretty low and only represents 12% of the daily value. 
A steady diet of fast food could lead to deficiencies in fiber consumption, possibly resulting in digestive disorders. Question number 11. Here are the components of the Wendy's burger. Two hamburger patties, cheddar bun, American cheese, creamy cheddar dip, crispy onions, bacon jam, and applewood smoked bacon. Each of these components have a list of ingredients. If all the ingredients in the sandwich are totaled up, guess how many there are? A, 26, B, 53, C, 78, and D, 135. Again, here are the components of the Wendy's burger. Two hamburger patties, cheddar bun, American cheese, creamy cheddar dip, crispy onions, bacon jam, and applewood smoked bacon. Each of these components have a list of ingredients. If all the ingredients in this sandwich are totaled up, guess how many there are? A, 26, B, 53, C, 78, D, 135. If you said 135, right on. To create the Wendy's Triple Cheeseburger requires a staggering 135 ingredients. Now, they're not all unique ingredients. There are a number of repeats. Just counting unique ingredients still gives 74. Why so many ingredients? Every fast food manufacturer uses the tricks of food science to make their food look, taste, smell, and feel a certain way. Food additives keep the food from spoiling, maintain texture and mouthfeel, prevent the separation of oil and water constituents, and guarantee a uniformity from restaurant to restaurant throughout the country and the world. The next three questions come from episode number 70 entitled, McDee's McPlant Burger Hits the Marketplace. Question number 12. Every non-meat or faux burger needs some type of protein base. Where does the McPlant Burger get its protein? A. Wheat. B. Soy. C. Peas. Or D. Quinoa. Again, every non-meat or faux burger needs some type of protein base. Where does the McPlant Burger get its protein? A. Wheat. B. Soy. C. Peas. Or D. Quinoa. The right answer is C. Peas. Depending upon the degree of refining, pea protein powder can have up to 90% protein. Note the word refining. A complex process is required to isolate pea protein, so this food ingredient is highly processed. Number 13. The faux meat is made by the Beyond Meat Company, a supplier of plant-based meats to food companies, restaurants, and retailers. Two interesting ingredients in the patties are carrot powder and beet powder. Why are they in the burger? A. To emulsify fat and water. B. To make the texture meat-like. C. To provide a color that reminds consumers of meat. D. To increase the nutritive value. Again, number 13. The faux meat is made by the Beyond Meat Company, a supplier of plant-based meats to food companies, restaurants, and retailers. Two interesting ingredients in the patties are carrot powder and beet powder. 
Why are they in the burger? A. To emulsify fat and water. B. To make the texture meat-like. C. To provide a color that reminds consumers of meat. D. To increase the nutritive value. Did you choose C? To provide a color that reminds consumers of meat. The carrot powder, which is orange, combines with the red color of beet juice to provide a red-orange color that imitates the natural color of ground beef. Question number 14. The McPlant burger was compared to the quarter pounder with cheese to determine if the plant-based version was better, worse, or similar. Which statement is false? A. The McPlant burger has more ingredients. B. The quarter pounder has more cholesterol. C. The McPlant burger has slightly more fiber. Or D. The two burgers have the same amount of saturated fat. Again, the McPlant burger was compared to the quarter pounder with cheese to determine if the plant-based version was better, worse, or similar. Which statement is false? A. The McPlant burger has more ingredients. B. The quarter pounder has more cholesterol. C. The McPlant burger has slightly more fiber. Or D. The two burgers have the same amount of saturated fat. The correct answer is D. The two burgers have the same amount of saturated fat. That's absolutely false. The quarter pounder has more saturated fat, probably due to the extra slice of cheese. The other statements are true. The quarter pounder has more cholesterol, which is only sourced from animal meat. Due to the plant-based components, the McPlant burger has more fiber. Note that animal protein has zero fiber. And the McPlant burger has more ingredients in it to mimic the taste and texture of the quarter pounder. The next two questions come from episode number 71, entitled, Can Ultra-Processed Foods Kill You? Question number 15. The NOVA classification system distinguishes foods according to how processed they are. Which of the following groups would include ultra-processed foods? A. Group 1. Unprocessed or minimally processed foods like apples and beef. B. Group 2. Processed culinary ingredients used in food preparation like oils, sugar, and spices. C. Group 3. Foods composed of combinations of groups 1 and 2, like canned vegetables, breads, and cheeses. Or D, group 4, foods that are heavy in additives, such as preservatives, antioxidants, and stabilizers. Again, the NOVA classification system distinguishes foods according to how processed they are. Which of the following groups would include ultra-processed foods? A. Group 1. Unprocessed or minimally processed foods like apples and beef. B. Group 2. Processed culinary ingredients used in food preparation like oils, sugar, and spices. C. Group 3. Foods composed of combinations of groups 1 and 2 like canned vegetables, breads, and cheeses. Or D. Group 4. Foods that are heavy in additives such as preservatives, antioxidants, and stabilizers. The correct answer is D, foods that are heavy in additives. Ultra-processed foods are characterized by an abundance of natural 
and artificial additives that alter the properties of foods to make them look better, taste better, stay stable over time, etc. Question number 16. The Nutrinet Sante study was a huge research effort in France to determine if diets high in ultra-processed foods adversely affected health, for example, cardiovascular disease. For about 10 years, over 105,000 volunteers responded to diet surveys. The findings were published in 2019. Which of the following findings is false? A. Consumption of ultra-processed foods had no bearing on the incidences of heart disease. B. The risk of cardiovascular disease increased across all stratums of the study population. C. Those study participants who consumed the most unprocessed and minimally processed foods had the lowest risk of suffering from heart disease. And D. As the amounts of ultra-processed foods increased in people's diets, the risk of experiencing heart disease went up. Again, question 16. The Nutrinet Sante study was a huge research effort in France to determine if diets high in ultra-processed foods adversely affected health, for example, cardiovascular disease. For about 10 years, over 105,000 volunteers responded to diet surveys. The findings were published in 2019. Which of the following findings is false? A. Consumption of ultra-processed foods had no bearing on the incidences of heart disease. B. The risk of cardiovascular disease increased across all stratums of the study population. C. Those study participants who consumed the most unprocessed and minimally processed foods had the lowest risk of suffering from heart disease. D. As the amounts of ultra-processed foods increased in people's diets, the risk of experiencing heart disease went up. The correct answer is A. Consumption of ultra-processed foods had no bearing on the incidences of heart disease. Well, just the opposite happened. The study showed that there was a statistically significant difference between those participants who ate a diet rich in ultra-processed foods versus those who ate healthier diets. Similar analyses showed other diseases like cancer were more frequent in people who ate ultra-processed foods. The next two questions come from episode number 72 entitled New Food Additives in the queue. Question number 17. The Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, responsible for sanctioning food additives, has approved roughly how many additives for use in the American food system? A. 2,000. B. 5,000. C. 10,000. D. 15,000. Again, the Food and Drug Administration, responsible for sanctioning food additives, has approved roughly how many additives for use in the American food system? A, 2,000. B, 5,000. C, 10,000. D, 15,000. And the right answer is C, 10,000. In the 1950s, the FDA started to gather together all the known additives at the time. Those that were deemed safe were in the marketplace for many years without showing signs of health issues. 
they were considered generally recognized as safe, or GRAS, G-R-A-S for short. There were a few hundred of them, but as the years passed, particularly after World War II, industry rolled out more and more new additives as food science and food technology advanced until the number grew very large. That trend continues today. Question number 18. The process for a food ingredient company to get a new additive approved by the FDA is rather complicated. Regarding that process, which of the following statements is false? A. The ingredient company must do the research to demonstrate the functionality and safety of the new additive. B. Before approval and certification, the FDA conducts its own research on the additive. C. Most new ingredients get approved under the GROSS process rather than go through a thorough, lengthy, and costly validation process. And D. If the new substance is a listed exception to the definition of a food additive, it can get approved. Again, question number 18. The process for a food ingredient company to get a new additive approved by the FDA is rather complicated. Regarding that process, which of the following statements is false? A. The ingredient company must do the research to demonstrate the functionality and safety of the new additive. B. Before approval and certification, the FDA conducts its own research on the additive. C. Most new ingredients get approved under the GROSS process rather than go through a thorough, lengthy, and costly validation process. And D, if the new substance is a listed exception to the definition of a food additive, it can get approved. So the right answer is B, before approval and certification, the FDA conducts its own research on the additive. False. Surprisingly, rarely will the FDA run its own tests on an additive. They rely on the test results submitted by the originator or their designee. They will review the data, and if the information satisfies their criteria, they will provide gross status. The only time the FDA gets involved to conduct a thorough investigation is when the safety of an additive is challenged long after it has entered the food supply. The next question comes from episode number 76, entitled, Burger King Goes Vegan. Question number 19. The Burger King franchises in Great Britain are gearing up to increase the faux meat offerings on their menus. Which of the following statements is false? A. Burger King first dipped its toe in the fake meat pool back in 2019 with the debut of the Impossible Whopper. B. Burger King is trying to undercut its competitors by offering the new fake meat sandwiches at $3 each. That's 2.35 pounds. C. Burger King announced that by 2020, 50% of their menu items will be plant-based. And D. The new vegan Royale bacon sandwich is composed of faux chicken created by the British Vegetarian Butcher Company. Again, number 19. The Burger King franchises in Great Britain are gearing up to increase the faux meat offerings on their menus. Which of the following statements is false? A. Burger King first dipped its toe in the fake meat pool 
back in 2019 with the debut of the Impossible Burger. B. Burger King is trying to undercut its competitors by offering the new fake meat sandwiches at $3 each. That's 2.35 pounds. C. Burger King announced that by 2020, 50% of their menu items will be plant-based. And D. The new vegan Royale bacon sandwich is composed of faux chicken created by the British Vegetarian Butcher Company. And the right answer is B. Burger King is trying to undercut its competitors by offering the new fake meat sandwiches at $3 each. Definitely a false statement. The opposite is true. Purchasing a vegan Royale bacon sandwich, including fries and a drink, will set you back $12.39. And finally, we have the last quiz question. Number 20. Last January, I self-published a book at Amazon about the ingredients found in fast food restaurants. The title of the book is A. The Secret Ingredients in Fast Food. B. The Dangers of Ultra-Processed Foods and Fast Food Chains. C. The Shocking Ingredients in McDonald's, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell Foods. And D. Fast Food Ingredients Revealed. What are you eating? Again, question 20. Last January, I self-published a book at Amazon about the ingredients found in fast food restaurants. The title of the book is A. The Secret Ingredients in Fast Food. B. The Dangers of Ultra-Processed Foods and Fast Food Chains. C. The Shocking Ingredients in McDonald's, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell Foods. D. Fast Food Ingredients Revealed. What are you eating? The right answer is D. Fast food ingredients revealed. What are you eating? If you haven't already, check the book out at Amazon. It took three years to research and write. It reveals a great deal of information about fast food, food additives, health studies, and what some countries are doing to protect their citizens from the dangers of unhealthy food choices. Okay, food eaters, the quiz is all over. So it's time to go ahead and tally up your score by dividing the right answers by 20 and multiplying by 100. Or just multiply the number of right answers by 5. If you got 90 to 100%, give yourself a high five. You are a food ingredient superstar and should be teaching a course on the subject. If you got between 80 and 90%, that's pretty good and you're entitled to some bragging rights. A score between 70 and 80% is decent and shows that you're pretty knowledgeable about food ingredients and processed foods. If you scored between 55 and 70%, you definitely could use some improvement. Just hang in there and continue to listen to the Food Labels Revealed podcast. If you got less than 55%, you may want to listen to the referenced episodes. And don't worry, there's always next time. Well, that's it for today, food eaters. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. If you know others who would enjoy this podcast, please share the episode by sending a link in a text or by sharing it to your social media pages. If you have a moment, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star rating at Apple or the iTunes Store. If you don't have a streaming device, you can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by Googling Food Labels Revealed. If you want to shoot me a message, I can be reached at foodlabelsrevealed 
at gmail.com. Again, that's food labels revealed on one string at gmail.com. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called El Gringo, composed by Kinemesis. Thank you.